Good morning, church. Uh, good to see everybody here, and uh, you guys uh, seem to be doing really well. I know everybody's kind of hungry at this point of the morning, uh, so hang in there, and um, we're, we're going to get through this together. But it's a great day. Uh, we had an incredible first service. Wasn't it awesome seeing these young families up here? So many of them. Man, I just uh, love seeing those and uh, just commitments being made and uh, just knowing what God's going to do in the future and our part in that as well. Uh, and I thought uh, that Eric was incredibly wise, conniving, a little bit subtle, but not in getting all you guys to volunteer in, chil- in children's ministry. So I thought that was a, a cool move to make this morning. Well, guys, we're going to continue our study in um, uh, Loving My Church uh, that we've been in for a couple weeks now. And today we're going to be talking about giving and uh, it'll maybe a little different twist than, uh, than you've heard it before. Um, you know, all of us, I think, have things that we have that we treasure, that we ha- have value in. And uh, I've always been, uh, ever since I was a little kid, I guess being a guy, I always liked knives, pocket knives, or any kind of knife, really. And uh, so when I, was, uh, when I was 19, in fact, 40, 40 years ago this year, uh, I was working, and I bought a, a Case X hammerhead knife. And some of you might know what that knife's like. It was uh, a big folding knife. And I would never spend that kind of money, uh, even today, probably on a knife. But I did that uh, as kind of an investment. I decided I was never going to sharpen it, and I haven't. Never used it. Just kind of something that I treasure. I have no idea if it has any value much. But, but I kind of kept that down through the years of investment. I have another knife in my small collection. I'm not a big collector. But this other, this other knife is also a case. It's a, a lot bigger. And this knife was my grandfather's. And uh, it was an expensive knife as well. In fact, my grandfather never really had means to buy a knife like that. Uh, but he found this knife at a tobacco warehouse uh, uh, many years ago, and he kept it. And it really, it was a treasure to him. Uh, it's not been well taken care of. It's been probably sharpened with a grinder. So it, it doesn't have any real value except the fact that it was my grandfather's. You know, maybe in your mind and your thoughts, you have something that you have kept, whether you purchased it, sacrificed, bought it, and, uh, and then we're going to save it, hoping it accumulates in value. Or maybe it belonged to a family member. Maybe it was someone who's passed and, and um, you know, holds a lot of promise, memories, value, perhaps for the future. May not be using it right now, but you believe that one day it has a value. You're going to keep it for some reason, maybe to pass it on to somebody else in the future. I mean, after all, what are things if their value is not freely given to other people at some point? And we've been talking for a few weeks now about loving our church. And today we're going to talk about really practical ways that we can do that. We talked last week about community, about showing our love to one another, but today we're going to take the next step and we're going to talk a little bit about giving. And in our study, we've been looking at the early church in the book of Acts. So we're going to go there to Acts chapter 4 to find our scripture this morning. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them all, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. So the early church, when it came to their personal possessions, They knew how to help one another. They knew how to show their love to one another, and they did that one way, by giving. They had a completely unselfish attitude, and they gave generously with what they had been given themselves. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, that really contrasts with the philosophy 
and the attitude of our world today because we don't live in a world where our first thought is, what can I give to other people? That just isn't how we're programmed. In fact, I want to show you this little clip because I think this probably describes us a lot better than that particular way. Let's look at this just a second. Was wings. The bloke's been looking for his boy Nemo. Nemo? He, he was taken off the reef by divers and this They're crap. taking oh, you, Harvey! Oh, 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 oh. Hey, hey, say that again. You just said something about Nemo. What was it? Mine? Well, that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, mine. I mean, you know, there's nothing more selfish than a seagull. If you've ever uh, been on the beach and seen them you know, trying to strap over a potato chip or anything. They don't share with anybody, uh, and they have to be the most selfish creature on the planet. You know, that's kind of, though, I wonder if God looks at us in a similar way when he looks at the way we possess things. Are we always saying, mine, 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 you know? Uh, Does it belong to me? And that attitude, of course, is pretty typical of our world today, but it's one that we as Christians have to kind of overcome. We've got to acknowledge, and then we have to try to get past that because we become very possessive, very protective with what we've been given ourselves. So today I thought it would be good in thinking about how to show our love to one another. Uh, we talked about how you can't love without giving. Uh, how, do we, how do we show our love? So we're going to kind of put together a, a short strategy about how to put our things in the right perspective and, and think about how, what we have and how we might want to give it to other people. So the first part of our strategy is very simple in the way we think is that we have to release our grip. Release our grip. In verse 32, It says, not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. So the early Christians there, they kept a loose grip on what they had. They knew that God had given it to them. And they should think about giving it to others if there were a need. You can say, well, you know, it was really easy for them to give away because they didn't have very much. You know, that kind of goes against a common, you know, real reality, but But some of us have the idea that if I don't have very much, it's easier to give it away. But the more I have, the more difficult it is to give away. I've heard people say, you know, I used to tithe when I didn't make very much, but now I make so much I can't afford to tithe. And that kind of thinking is just, you know, it just doesn't make sense, does it? But we have this idea that because I have much, I need to protect that. And that's what things really do to us. We might think about about the early church, but if you read deeper into chapter 5 of that book of Acts, you'll see that there were some relatively rich people in the church, some people who actually had extra homes or houses, lands, whatever, and they would sell those things and give them away to people, and they would still have plenty for themselves. It's kind of like today, if you think about it, that most of us have far more than we actually need for ourselves. Now, I want to be clear about this, too. This was not communism. It wasn't socialism. It wasn't the church leaders telling the people, you have to sell what you have. This was totally volunteer. This was all free will giving to one another. Unless you think that there were people who refused to work and they got away with it, know what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. So in that day, if anything, there was actually more accountability. People were held accountable, and they were called out if they were just lazy or if they were taking advantage of of people's generosity. So that was important. But in that day, also understand that they had the kind of poverty that we have never seen before ourselves. 
never seen before. You know, we talk about poverty in our world today. We know that it's there. But in our community, we don't know what true poverty is. I really believe that. When I think about poverty, I think about people in Haiti, people who have only the clothes on their back, and they're ripped and torn. They have no other clothes anywhere. People that have zero food and no prospects for their next meal at all. Uh, People who have nowhere to sleep, have no idea where they'll spend the night. That, to me, is what true poverty really is all about. And in that day, that was the kind of poverty the church dealt with. For one thing, people were a lot poorer than they are today, but also a lot of those Christians who were members of the church had been abandoned by their families or fired by their their bosses, kicked out of whatever role they might be in, and they were totally all alone. And the church cared for people who were in need, but they always took care of their own as well. They gave freely because when you think about it, the truth is what we have doesn't belong to us at all. It never has. We may possess it. We may have ownership. We may have our name on the deed. We may, you know, it all be in our title, and we bought it with money that we've made. But in reality, God is the one who gave it to us. He gave us the opportunity to even have these things. So in reality, it doesn't belong to us. We'll have it for a time. Somebody else will end up with it. In reality, all that we have belongs to God. And God says, I'm going to entrust this with you. Some people will be entrusted with more than others. You know, Jesus told parables about um, master going away and entrusting certain talents to individuals according to their abilities. And, you know, maybe God does that in a practical way, that God invests with us and God knows what we will do if we'll be generous, if we will be selfish with that. But God invests in us, and he wants a good investment or a good return on what he's given to us. And the measure that we show of how we do it, how we love others with what we have is how we give away what we've been given. So we need to learn how to release our grip on our money and our things if we're going to truly love one another. Because they're not ours, and we know they could be taken away from us. That's why I'm convinced that we need to have a really open mind when it comes about the money that we've been given. That I believe the importance of generosity and also of planned giving. Why, why is it important? First of all, I think our giving ought to be planned because I don't ever want to start thinking about and trying to decide, now do I want to give to God? Do I want to tithe this week or not? I don't ever want to be in that place because I know me, and if I ever start thinking about it and questioning, I might decide to keep some of it for myself, right? I don't want to be thinking about that and deliberating that, but I do always want to be thinking about when and where and how that I could make a difference in somebody else's life by giving above and beyond my planned giving. See, the Bible teaches that the tithe, or one-tenth of what we have, already belongs to God. It goes to the church, the storehouse, and that generosity actually starts there. Sometimes we think we're generous if we give away a dollar or two to somebody. But in reality, generosity goes far beyond where we're called to give, and God tells us, commands us to give. So the sermon today is really about giving, but not really a simple message of giving to the church. You know, we've all, I've preached many of those, you've heard many of them, I'm sure, but the reality is we're going to talk about more than that because the early Christians gave generously through their tithing to the corporate church, but then they went on above and beyond, and they gave to the personal church, they gave to the people that were in the church and those who were in need. They brought their money, the Bible says in Acts 4, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, their disposal of the elders of the church. And then they helped with distribution. Now, obviously, we live in a different world today, right? A different time. 
there's not the same kind of object poverty that we just talked about a few moments ago in, in our community that we see in that day. Today, you can be poor. You can be struggling. We have in our community, uh, we have very wealthy people. We have a middle class, and we have some who do struggle and, and have a hard time. You know, someone said that you can be poor today and still have a smartphone with a data plan. You know, you, you can do that in our world. And there are needs all around us. We should never discount those. But I think God expects us to be open-handed with our giving, but he also wants us to be discerning, and he wants us to be wise to know how to give and where we give our money. You know, I love to give. I love to help people, but I also don't want to enable somebody. I want to be smart. God calls us to be stewards not only of 10%, but 100% of our money as well. And we should recognize that when we give, it should be given carefully, be given humbly, and also should be given to a real need. But we also have to be willing to release our money in order for that to happen so that when needs are realized, we can have the freedom of mind and heart to say, I can let it go. The second thing that I think is a part of our strategy is to learn how to tighten our belts. And nobody really wants to do that, right? Nobody wants to make sacrifices. But sometimes we have to make room in our budgets in order for us to help people who truly are in need. And the reason for that is because that many of us have come to the place where we spend all that we have. For some people, unfortunately, they spend more than they have, and that really gets them in trouble. But in the early church, they learned how to make sacrifices for one another. The early church was doing this. In Acts 4, again, there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of lands or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. So the early church was probably not saving things up for a rainy day. They probably weren't investing things. They were liquidating things. They were getting rid of what they didn't need. They were getting rid of what they could live without in order to help the genuine needs of the church family as a whole. Now, I don't think the command here is that we're told to sell everything we have at this moment. You know, Jesus did tell uh, one or two people to do that. But what we're talking about is tightening our belt understanding that when people have needs and we have resources, we ought to be open enough to be able to share. Also, I'm not suggesting that you sell your home and move to the church building, because I think that would be a disaster, all right? Can you imagine all of us living here? That would be pretty tough. But what I am suggesting, that if our lifestyle keeps us from being able to be generous with people around us, if we know about needs, but we ignore the needs, then maybe we ought to start thinking about how we can cut back in our own lives. Someone said that the needs of people should always come before my personal wants. I really like that. People's needs should come before my wants, something to think about. Our generosity is the proof of our love for one another. In fact, in 1 John 3, it says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So he's directly addressing the family of God, brothers and sisters in the family, who have need, but we have no heart, no compassion, we also, that's proof of no love. So maybe I need a less expensive car, or I need to drop some luxury item, or I need to eat out less and live on a budget in order to help meet the needs of a brother and sister. Those are things I think we ought to think about. But also keep in mind that we're not talking about people that we don't know. We're not talking about, you know, people that, that we don't have any connection with, the Bible here is talking about brothers and sisters in the family of God. Here's what it says in, in Galatians 6. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. 
Now, that doesn't mean that we should ignore the needs of unbelievers, but it also doesn't mean that we should ignore the needs of one another as well. There are a lot of scriptures that talk about taking care of fellow Christians to make sure that their needs are met. So I think what the Bible is kind of saying here is in our passion and fervor to reach beyond our walls, we can never forget to reach within them as well. To recognize that there are people who are drawn to the Lord from all walks of life and some may be in desperate need. You know, there are a lot of people that matter to me in my personal life, but I will tell you that the people that matter most to me are the people in my family. You know, my parents, you know, my children, if they have needs, my siblings, I want to make sure those needs are met. And I think that whole idea is, is kind of goes with the family of God. You don't neglect those within, and you don't neglect those as out as well. But it's important to care for the family of God. Maybe it's a family in the church whose only breadwinner has uh, lost his job because of health. Or, or maybe there's a family about to lose their house for some reason beyond their own control. Or maybe an elderly person who has to determine whether they're going to buy their medicine or pay the electric bill this month. I think the problem is in our world, we have so many services available today that we've almost become dependent upon them, and we've forgotten the role of the church in the family of God. And the way that we communicate our love to people has to be a willingness to make sacrifices personally, if need be, so that we don't neglect one another. That's what the Bible's saying. Do not neglect the family of God and the needs that they may have. And the only way to really do that, honestly, is to know each other, to know each other. We may see needs that are out there in our community, and, and they're very obvious, but sometimes, as we talked about before, needs within the family of God are not always realized. We come in our, our building, and we, we, we ask, how are you doing? And everyone says, fine, and we assume that they're telling the truth, when in reality, they may not be fine at all. It could be something personal, or it could be something financial they struggle with. That we're called to look over and through the fences. You know, last week, we talked about fences that we built up today. We look beyond those fences, through the fences, and try to find the real needs that may exist. And by the way, there also has to be mutual respect in the family of God. That means that people who uh, respect one another, whether you are uh, giving uh, and, and sharing or whether you're receiving, you have to respect each other, not to withhold from others and not to take advantage of others. But the Bible teaches us that we're to hold what we have loosely, and then we're to be open enough to say, that if I need to make a sacrifice for you, I'm willing to do that. I'm going to tighten my belt, live conservatively to help meet the needs of one another. And then the third part of the strategy is that we need to be willing to give it all away. Willing to give it all away if the need is arises. So once the early church came to know and to love one another because they broke down the fences, once they began to loosen their grip on things and they began to tighten their belt where necessary, all of which goes against our human nature, by the way. Once that began to happen, then it began to truly meet the needs of one another. It says there in verse 34, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Now that's an amazing statement to make when, when it was a time of great need and great poverty that all the needs of the church were being met because they shared with one another. And that was a testimony not only to one another, but a powerful testimony to those who were outside in the greater community. They had the reputation of caring for the church family, but then they were so blessed that it went beyond that. And they began to share for other poor people, the widows and orphans in the community. And it was so evident uh, that they loved one another. In fact, it fulfilled the verse that Jesus said that 
this will people this is how people will know that you love me if, if you love one another and it began to be a revival in the in the church because they were so generous with one another you know sometimes we just don't recognize the needs that other believers have because we're so busy focusing on ourselves. but at the same time other times it may be because there's some need those who are in need are embarrassed about uh, sharing and and reluctant to let their needs be known many of us can be too proud and to our own detriment to our own to hurting us by 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 just not being willing to share and so we suffer in silence and so i think the scripture speaks to those who have uh, excess and it speaks to those who are in need and i totally understand confidentiality of course but but if god has blessed some of us with more than we need isn't it important that others let their needs be known so that it can be shared across the aisle so that we can really help one another and so here's what the early church did it says from time to time those who own land or houses would sell them bring the money from the sales put it at the apostles feet and then it was distributed to any distributed to anyone who had need so i think what this was was that the holy spirit was truly moving in the hearts of some people and it was breaking down some walls led by the spirit believers who had extra homes extra land possessions would sell it and they would bring the money freely give it to the apostles and they would then give it to the people who were in need as their needs were known i don't believe the needs were published publicly it probably wasn't an email sent out to anybody saying hey this is all the needs going on but people who were in need they made their needs known confidentially and then the apostles just used discernment to tell which needs were real and then they distributed the money as it had been given Later on in Acts chapter 6, just a couple chapters later, the apostles delegated this to their deacons in the church. And chapter 6 is all about selecting deacons and, uh, and commissioning them to care for the church. So we follow the same example in our, in our church. We try to do Bible things, Bible ways. And so as we read that, we say, you know what? The Bible allows and provides for deacons to be primarily concerned and responsible to meet the needs of our church body. And that's what our deacons do. We have eight deacons right now, and, uh, and they serve to care for the body of, uh, here at Journey. Uh, we don't limit what they can do. We don't tell them what they can't do, but we ask them specifically to be tasked to care for immediate needs that people tell us about in the church membership and our, and our regular attenders. And they administrate a, a benevolent fund. And the interesting thing about that is that fund comes is in our budget, obviously, uh, and so when you give every Sunday, a part of your giving goes directly to that benevolent fund and needs are met and handled very confidentially and very competently. Uh, our deacons do a great job of uh, administrating that. They also assist widows and single parents and other people in need, have special needs, and they help in various ways. Uh, for example, I was telling first service that a couple of weeks ago, one of our missionaries who uh, uh, oftentimes go out of the country, but they live here in Versailles, uh, called me up and said, hey, you know, we've got some problem, a couple pieces of siding uh, come off of our house, and do you know anybody that can fix them? And I was proud to say, absolutely, our deacons will take care of that. And uh, so I shared that with a deacon, and uh, that's going to that's gonna be resolved with, with no cost to them. Those are ways that our deacons want to help. They want to be available to serve, and, and you'll hear more about that here in just a few moments. Now, obviously, we don't know all the needs in a growing church. We don't know that, and people are at different levels of comfort in sharing those things. But we all need to be able to show our love by sacrificing and helping to meet those needs, and sometimes doing it before the need arises. So as I was writing this message, I thought, you know, I got an idea 
said, let's do something a little bit out of the box, something that might make you a little bit uncomfortable, probably something you've never done, something I've never done before. Uh, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to sell my house or car today, uh, really. But uh, but I've got in my wallet right now. I think I counted twenty seven dollars. Uh, most of us don't carry a lot of cash anymore because we do cards, right? But uh, what I was thinking, why don't we just take what we have, if it's extra, and give it today for those needs that might exist? And we've already given our tithe for the week. Obviously, I've already collected our offering this morning. But I'm thinking there may be some needs of people beyond the corporate church, within the personal church, there may be some needs that are available that I don't know anything about. So what if those of us who are here today, and with a little bit of extra that we can afford to do so, what if we take what we have and we give it to those who may be in need? Some of you are taking a deep breath because yesterday you went to the bank and you cashed your entire check and you're carried in your pocket. And if that's you, please don't do that because then we'll be helping you, all right? So we need some wisdom in this. But the reality is that most of us have some extra, you know, that we're carrying around that we don't have a plan for at the moment, and, uh, and we're able to give that. may not be very much, but you know what? Collectively, it will add up. You might think your little bit won't amount to anything, and, uh, and it will make a difference. And if you want to give a check, you can do that as well. But I think it would be good for us just to say, hey, I got a few dollars here. And, uh, and it's kind of interesting, some of the stories that people told me from first service, uh, I said I had 27. Two or three people said they had $27. So I don't know if that's a common theme or what. Uh, but, uh, but if you want to give that in a way, uh, we're going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute. And, and it will be distributed to anyone who has need. So the important thing is not only some will give, but if you're here today and you have a need that you are struggling with, a genuine need, then we'd like to talk to you about that. We really would. We'd like to be able maybe to address that. I think God wants us to be a people who share our needs as generously as we share our possessions. And those of us who are currently not in need can experience the blessing of giving and sharing, and those who are in need can experience the blessing of receiving to have that need met. So I want to encourage you to do that. I'm going to ask our deacons to be responsible for that. I already talked to them, not dropping a surprise on them, but they're gonna, this is going to go into a fund that's going to be available for our deacons to ministrate. It's going to be added to their benevolence budget. And so how many deacons do we have in the room? Two guys, we've got a few in here, all right? And we'll have some folks up here that will be uh, sharing in communion in just a few moments, and you can, can look at them. So we want you to know who the deacons are, and we want you to feel free to go and talk to them confidentially. They are all confidential um, men of character that will not share this. And, and uh, we want people on both sides to share needs and share resources. Now, I said this a little bit different, and uh, this, is a, this is a hard one. It really is on both sides. It's hard to give, and it's hard to receive sometimes. But I think as we kind of get the character of the church that God wants us to be, and we love each other by giving, we can loosen our grip, we can tighten our belts, and we can be willing to give it all away. And this will be a sacrificial way, a symbolic way for us to acknowledge that if we have extra, we can give that freely, knowing that we'll never outgive God and that God will care for our every need. So if you are worried that you might give $10 today and you're going to be, you're going to need it tomorrow, I can almost tell you that will not happen. I, I really will. Uh, I, I, love, I love giving money away, even though we're not, certainly not wealthy, but I've never regretted giving away something. I never have. Never missed it, really, giving it away. So I wouldn't, this may be a way to just kind of test God and see if God will provide for you as well if you feel like you're going to take that step of courage. Nobody's going to 
Nobody's going to tell you how to do it. Nobody's going to watch you. This will all be done, you know, privately if you want to do it. Uh, but it's a way for us to share with one another. And as we uh, began to go into our time of communion, I thought it was a very appropriate time uh, for us to do that. And the way we're going to do it is uh, setting up between the tables or by the communion tables. There's a, a basket there. And as you come to commune, uh, it would be a great time to share. Because after all, communion has the idea or implies the idea of sharing. Sharing in a time with God, thanking Him for what He has done for us, thanking Him for Jesus, the sacrifice that He has made for our great need, and He freely gave Him for us and to us. And then sharing with one another as we do so, and communing with others as we also commune before the Lord. So I invite you to share with us if God leads you to do so. If not, you're not prepared, that's perfectly all right. Uh, we just in, encourage you to pray for those who may be in need. Let's pray together as we go into our time of, of giving and of communion. Father, thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you for your generosity. We all have to acknowledge that we are blessed far beyond what we really need. And that, God, you are so good to us, especially in, in our part of the world, Lord. So, God, help us to be, um, be people who learn how to loosen our grip, that it's not all about us. It's not all ours. You've just given it to us for a time. Lord, I pray also that you would help us to be a people uh, that uh, not only loosen our grip but, but tighten our belts, Lord, that we would, not, uh, we would not hesitate to make a sacrifice if there were other in need that we knew about. And then, Lord, be comfortable and be willing to give away uh, as we've been given. So, Lord, may this, uh, may this time challenge us and encourage us. Lord, I pray specifically during these moments that as we do this, that, God, we would uh, come before you and examine our hearts and our lives, Lord, and acknowledge that we are unworthy of any of your good, good gifts, especially Jesus, but be grateful to you and examine ourselves as we partake. And we take the bread and the cup that, that symbolize the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, that, Lord, we'd be drawn closer to you and to one another. Lord, we pray all these things in Christ's name.